0: The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Welcome to episode 21 of the Paul Leslie Hour. How are you? I'm doing okay, mostly because I had the chance to speak with a true legend in music, Charlie Daniels of the Charlie Daniels Band. He's got a new book out, it's called Never Look at the Empty Seats, a memoir, and it's The whole story, from the very beginning until now. And he's a down-to-earth guy. I really, really liked talking to him. People who encounter him, they say that he's a down-to-earth guy. They say he's a good tipper. I think those kinds of things say a lot about a person. On the back of the book, there's praise from everyone, from Dolly Parton to Tom Selleck. Dolly Parton says, Charlie is so upfront and friendly. We all assume we know everything there is to know about him. Not so. There is so much about Charlie's life in this book that it would and could make a great movie. Very informative and interesting. A lot of you know Charlie Daniels from songs like The Devil Went Down to Georgia. He's released a lot of recordings, sold, I think, somewhere in the ballpark of 20 million albums. He's won a Grammy. In 2016, he was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. And I enjoyed talking to him. I think you're going to enjoy listening to the interview. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's a special day. Today I get to talk with Charlie Daniels. So, Mr. Daniels, how are you?
1: I'm great. I'm great. I hope you are too, Paul.
0: I am. I've been enjoying this book. It's called Never Look at the Empty Seats, a memoir Uh written by Charlie Daniels. What did it feel like? to write your life story?
1: Well, it was uh, done over a period of about 20 years or so uh, while it was uh, just, I just kept writing and writing and I kept uh, I kept on, you know coming up with more things to write about, more things to write about I just couldn't find a place to end it (laughs) so uh, until I was told I was going to be invited to enjoy to to be, I was going to be inducted rather to the Country Music Hall of Fame, and I thought, what a great place to end it. So, it's my earliest memories from the time, first things I remember up until the night I was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. It's the first 80 years of my life, if you will.
0: What was that like for you when you were inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame?
1: You know, I've been asked that quite a bit since then, and, and I've, my standard answer is i cannot find a word or a series of words a group of words that yet i have not been able to that would act adequately describe the honor and the the thing that i feel about it the it just it's such an incredible thing to be included in one of the three people it's put in every year only three people and it's it's just it's it's overwhelming. I, I am basically overwhelmed by it. It's it's something I will never will never be blase to me, it will never be something that just happened that I don't ever think about or something. It's it's a very, very special thing to me.
0: One of the things that struck me when I was reading this book, which I have to say I I really love the book. Great Great work! Well, thank you. It's very honest. You write about things that a lot of people would say, "I don't want that in there," like crazy experiences in Juarez, of which I have also had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I want to ask you: Was there anything that you thought, "Oh boy, I don't want to put this in here"?
1: The one thing that I had, uh, I had never actually talked about public it was my dad's alcoholism but it it was not i have to do a little soul search and make sure i wanted to do it because it's not i'm not ashamed of it but it means because it's it is a sickness and my dad was not a he's not drunk he's an alcoholic he goes for four years without taking a drink but he explained a lot he explained a lot of the nomadic Side of my younger life, why I moved so much when I was a kid, and so I decided to put it in but that was, that was one of the things that I wanted to handle very gingerly, that I wanted people to understand what I was saying, that it was not, I was never deprived when I was a child, you know, we were never out of a place to live or food to eat or clothes to wear or anything like that, I was not deprived by it, and I wanted that. I wanted that to be understood. I wanted to say it, but I wanted to say it in a way that people would understand the way that I felt about it, and that what I perceive alcoholism to be. So that was, one, that was probably the hardest thing. I mean, as far as including something, the hardest chapter to write, actually, or chapters, I should say, is uh, the ones about my faith. But the thing that I really I questioned about putting in was my dad's alcoholism.
0: Does it always pay to tell the truth
1: yeah absolutely definitely i mean, I don't think that you have to i i went through when well, i of course i'm not I'm not educated in writing or anything i don't you know I've never had a writing course or anything. I just sit down and started writing and I, as as I went through the long years of working on it for a while and putting it away and maybe not getting back to it for a year or six months or something like that, I got to realize that a lot of the stuff that I was writing about was of no interest to anybody but me. Certain things you can get way off with your genealogy and talking about, you know, your distant kin or whatever and get too involved in telling everybody about your aunts and uncles who you dearly love but that nobody else cares anything about, you know. So I had I did a lot of editing in that way. I did a lot of you know, going back and saying, Well, you know, nobody really wants to hear about this or they want to hear about, you know, the music and stuff. So that was uh it was a long process. It was a process for me to do that. But yeah, I did I did uh I did change a lot of things around as I went along.
0: There's a friend of mine at the time, he was in the hotel industry and you had gone to I guess I guess you'd gone into the lobby of this hotel that he was working. And shortly thereafter, he took a picture of you as you were leaving the hotel. Uh, he sent the picture to me. He said, Charlie Daniels was just here. <laughs> and so you have a tremendous power when you're a known figure. So how do you handle having that where people, they want to have your their picture taken with you, They look up to you. They want you to autograph things. What's that like for you?
1: Well, I don't look at it as power. I look at it as an honor to be, you know, to be recognized. That's what, you know, it aggravates me. People act as if they just hate being a celebrity. You know, they, (laughs) they can quit being a celebrity anytime they want to. You know, they don't have to. It ain't something they have to do. That's what I started out for. I mean, I started out to be notoriety is part of what i do and and without notoriety i would not be successful so i take it as an honor i look at it as an honor when somebody asks me for an autograph or they want to have their picture made with me and i do it constantly i do meet and greets every night i am i am very honored to if uh, the only time i don't is like if i'm in a real big hurry or something and i have to get we've got a you know something, I got to get done. I got to leave. I got a, a plane to catch or something like that. Other than that, if somebody wants my autograph or take a picture with me, they can have it. I'm honored to do it. So it, it's uh, I, I, but to get back to your question, what you say, what does it mean to me? It means a responsibility. It means a responsibility because with with to me, with notoriety goes responsibility as to, you know, you're not, you start believing your own. Press uh, well, some of it you believe you would <laughs> wouldn't be so flattered by, but most you know I've had a great relationship with the media at large over the years, and you know I look at it as a as an obligation to be a person that you know that people when they meet you they're not disappointed. In other words, that they don't want to take your records back, you know, and that sort of thing that. that that you're a a decent sort of person just every day I'm just nothing special about me I'm just an old country boy guy's been really good too i'm not uh i'm not a you know there's nothing nothing really special about me at all and it's the same way with everybody in the in the business i mean they're just they're just human beings you know they're not that they, you know they're 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 just they're just human beings they're just that's all any of us are. And to have another human being that would, you know, consider it honor or whatever to get your autograph or something, I mean, how would you not feel good about that? I do. I was I was glad when I got to the point where somebody would ask me for an autograph. Hmm. It was a kind of a status symbol to me, you know. I I was very happy about it, and I still am for this day, And I do a lot of it. I I sign I sign a lot of autographs, and I do it because you know, I want to be, I want to be approachable. I don't want people to feel like I'm not approachable, because I very much am. So signing autographs and taking pictures, stopping to speak to people, and that sort of thing, that's all part of it.
0: Do you think that there are any misconceptions about you?
1: Well, I wouldn't think so, because, I mean, I've been, I've been in a public eye for a long time, and, you know, I think we've covered about at one time or another, between all the five, literally thousands of interviews that I've done, we've pretty much covered my, you know, what I do, one of the misconceptions, probably notable misconception to me, to me was that I was a really great fiddle player because I don't look at myself that way, you know. I, I mean, I think there's so many fiddle players that are so much better than I am. But other than that, I think my, I don't know, my life's been pretty much of a Insofar as uh, you know, the parts of your life that somebody should know anything about, I think are is a pretty open been a pretty open book.
0: One of the things I liked in the book were your memories of the time you spent with Bob Dylan, who is kind of a mysterious mm-hmm. person. And I love the recording that you made of A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall. Man, you just nailed it.
1: Well thank you very much.
0: What did Mr. Dillon Did
1: you? You know, to me, and looking back on it, and he definitely had had an influence on me, and I think just about everybody else who came along, he represented a freedom that didn't get boxed into three minutes' worth of something that would play on the radio or not being able to get a complete thought out because it was too long for anybody to play. Dylan just chopped the music along and let chips fall where they would. He showed everybody that you don't have to live or write songs or anything else according to somebody else's idea of what you should do, that people and artists are are entitled to their own ideas, to their own freedom to doing whatever they want to do. Of course, the market has the right to judge what they want to do with it. In Bob Dylan's case, it turned out really well. I mean, but, uh, that at least, you know, if you want to go for it, go for it. Dylan did. It worked for him.
0: The people that you've
1: surrounded yourself with,
0: what would you say that they have in common?
1: Well, they have a, uh, confidence that, uh, I'm not going to come home for Christmas and fire the band <laughs> that, uh, I value, well, I'm serious, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. i that I'm I'm serious uh, that I care about them. That I've got people been with me for 40 years or longer. That I, I really care about them. I care about their well-being. I care about their families. I I care about their whole lives. I mean, I've seen marriages, divorces, deaths, children born, uh, grandchildren born, and I mean, it's, these people get to be your family. that They know that I care about them, and that's, uh, I mean, that is a, a given in this outfit. That's why people stay here because I do care about them. So that's one thing they all have in common. And a desire, a, a, a desire to do, you know, to do what, what we do. You gotta, that's gotta be, you gotta be, you gotta be a band. I, we call them CDB people. And if you're not one, it shows up pretty soon. And those kind of people don't stay around, you know, because there is a certain, there's a certain standard. That, uh, you're gonna, if you're gonna work in this band, you're gonna, you're gonna have to adhere to it. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's the thing. If you, if you do your job, and my, my philosophy for hiring people is, is I, I hire people that can do the job. If they can't do the job, I don't want them. If they can do the job, I'm not gonna stand over their shoulder and try to tell them how to do it all the time. It's up to them. If they need my help, come get it. Otherwise, just, you know, go do your job.
0: Hmm. One of the things you mentioned in the book is the different music you were exposed to. It was a variety of stuff. So with all the kinds of music that you've heard, and it is evident on your recordings, I mean, you really like to branch out. But why country music?
1: Well, that's what I cut my teeth on. It's the first music I remember listening to. Now you got to remember when I was a kid, in my formative years. Radio stations were not formatted for one format or another music. They played everything. They played. They had to. I mean, that was their, that was their mandate. That's what radio stations had to do. They had to play stuff for everybody. So I heard everything. Big bands, uh, followed the metamorphosis of music from big bands and Frank Sinatra to, you know, Fast Domino and Little Richard and Elvis and all these people. And I got it all at one time or another. And it just, when I got ready to do original music, I guess it just all, some, all of it just kind of stuck with me. And it was pretty natural, basically, for me to, you know, to kind of put some of all of it into what I do. But country, I cut my teeth on country. I mean, that was my, that was my first love. I mean, that's where I, where I started.
0: It's been said by a lot of people that behind every great man, there's a great woman. And you talk a little bit in your book yes. about your wife, and I was hoping you could tell the listeners about
1: her. Well, we've been married for 53 years. She's the guiding light of my life. I can't imagine my life without her. We spend an awful lot of time together. We, we're, there's days that, uh, that go by that we don't see anybody, especially if we go to Colorado in the wintertime. Get snowed in for a few days. You don't see anybody else for several days. You don't even see another human being. And that's fine with us. You know, it's just a it's just a great way to live. I mean, I've just, uh, you know, I've laid my life down for her right now, right this minute. If it was, if it come to me or her, it'd be me every time, you know. And it's just a wonderful way to live.
0: What is the best thing about being Charlie Daniels?
1: Uh, I have... Over the years, basically, uh, put together a lifestyle. I say I, my wife, myself, have put together a lifestyle that we enjoy living. We have surrounded ourselves at our home. With uh, our home is decorated in a style that we like. We are not concerned. Basically, I mean, we like for people, you know, to like our home for that matter. But we're not concerned with what other people think about it. We're basically concerned with enjoying living in it we surround ourselves with objects that uh, we enjoy having around i love paintings i love western paintings i love western sculptures and that sort of thing my wife loves antiques we have we have basically surrounded ourselves with things that we enjoy having around us uh it extends to the outside of the place i got a little place i can get golf balls off out in the pasture i've got a small shooting range I enjoy shooting guns. I've got a uh, you know horses. Uh, I've got uh, cattle. The things that mean a lot to her and me is what we have surrounded ourselves with, and so we've basically just uh, developed a lifestyle that uh, we we feel good about.
0: This is no doubt going to be heard by people all over, and that's one of the things about this age how fast communication spreads so for anyone who's listening into this what would you say to that person
1: oh gosh i don't know i'm just uh, i am just involved in still to this day have been from the early part of my life in creating and performance of music that's what i'm all about entertaining people anybody if you have a a question about what I am—that is how I would answer you. I am—I am a Christian. I am a father, a grandfather of a, a happily married man. I am—I'm uh, just—you know—I just—I'm a, you know, I, I just, a plain—I'm a country guy. My friends, people that I hang out with when I'm home and all—I mean, I, I'm or basically just redneck type people. Just—I mean, cowboys. Farmers and you know just people that work for a living. That's where I came from. That's what I am, and I am nothing more and nothing lesser. There's nothing uptown about me. That is by design. I mean, it's, it's it's just natural. It's also by design. It's the way I prefer to live. Main thing I would like to say to anybody who would know, I am. I have been a recipient of some very rich blessings of God. And I am very, very thankful for it. And I am really enjoying my life at, at the age of 81 years old to be able to go out and still play, to still create, to start another record as I did yesterday or day before yesterday. To be involved in something you love so much and still have a zest for it, to have a, a, a love for it, to have a, an energy for it, it's a real blessing. And, uh, you know, by the grace of God, here I am.
0: Mr. Daniels, you are a pleasure to talk to.
1: Well, you are too, sir. I enjoy talking to you. We'll do it again sometime.
0: That's that's what I hope for.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Thank you very much. Anyone can check out charlydaniels.com. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Okay, my friend.
0: Till next time.
1: We will talk again. (laughs) Great.
0: God bless. God bless. All right. And that was the Charlie Daniels interview. If you haven't subscribed to the Paul Leslie Hour, I would encourage and invite you to do so. It's absolutely free. You can do it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Acast, Google Play, CastBox, which I've been enjoying a lot. And also, if you haven't yet, consider rating and reviewing the podcast goes a long way into helping other people find us that's all i've got for this time always a pleasure to have you here be sure to tune in on the next episode of the paul leslie hour until next time the paul leslie hour is hosted produced and written by paul leslie for lifestyles entertainment for information visit the thank you for being with us until next time